Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word. So grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So show me your mysteries, my God. Today we're continuing in Genesis. Uh, we're in Genesis chapter 28. And I'm going to be honest with you. Um, when I was first working on this sermon, I was like, okay, we can kind of just kind of skim over these first few verses and then we can get to the good stuff at the end of ch- chapter 28. And then I worked on it some more and I was like, well, there is at least one good main point out of this part. So we, we, should, we should do justice to scripture and let it speak. And so we'll make that point. But I started developing that point out and then I was, I was like, wow, this is already a full length sermon. Um, so we're not going to even get to the later part. Um, that's going to be next week. Uh, so for the really good stuff, come back next week. Um, but there's really good stuff in, in our passage for today um, as well. So if you remember where we, we left off last week, uh, Rebecca and Jacob have just tricked Isaac um, into giving uh, Jacob the blessing instead of Esau. Um, that leaves off with a Rebecca saying like, hey, uh, I've heard that Esau kind of wants to kill you now. That's not a good thing. Uh, you need to go to be safe. You need to go where and live with my brother um, and, and stay with his family. And then, then she said to Isaac, uh, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? And we'd already seen how these, these two wives of Esau had made their life bitter earlier. And so, uh, so this is a very real conversation, I think. I mean, I think Rebecca has double, double purposes here. I think she, for one, is wanting uh, to get Jacob away from Esau, but I think, too, she really doesn't want him uh, to marry another one like Esau's married that's making their life bitter and miserable. Um, and so, uh, so now we pick up in 28 with Isaac's response to this. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. And thus, Isaac sent Jacob away. And he went to Padan Aram to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. Now, it is interesting to note here that here we see, see Isaac not being tricked anymore and yet giving an even kind of a better blessing in a way uh, to Jacob saying, hey, yeah, all the promises to dad, those are all coming through you. And of his own free will here, you know, kind of clearing up some of that stuff from last week of all the trickery and all of that and how, how Isaac was hoodwinked or whatever. Um, we see him here saying, no, may he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you. 
And so he, he is, he's saying, hey, son, yes, I do bless you. And here's what you need to do. You need to go to find a wife from the family tree over here. Okay. That's where, that's where I want you to go. Um, and the point, this is the main point for our whole sermon uh, today coming out of this, is this, who you marry matters. Who you marry matters. It matters. Um, and, uh, you know, Rebecca's seeing this, Isaac's seeing this. They're like, hey, Jacob, we want, we want you uh, to not marry one of these women around here. We see all of how that works out because of how it's worked out with your brother. We don't want that for you. We want you to go and marry somebody from kind of our people, if that makes sense. Now, what would be really nice and just a great tie together point um, is if by doing this, they were sending him to marry someone who was equally a God-fearer who worshiped the one true God, who uh, was monotheistic and not into all of the, all the other gods of people around them. Like if, if that were the case, like this would just tie up so nice and neat into a nice little sermon. But the reality is that was not the case. Um, because what we know of their family tree um, that Abraham was called out of is they worshiped other gods. They worshiped all kinds of things. Um, and in fact, later on, we'll see that uh, once Jacob does go there and he marries a couple of them and makes a whole mess of his life and everything else with that, um, and they're, they're leaving his favorite wife, what does she do? She steals her dad's idols to take with her. Um, and so, so we can't tie it up in a nice little bow of like, oh, well, you just need to go marry a, a good good, godly, godly woman, right? Like, you know, Jacob, this is what we want for you. Like we, we know the Lord, our family knows the Lord. And so we want you to go marry one of them so that you have somebody that knows the Lord together. But that's not what it's saying. Um, because the reality was there wasn't that woman from what we can see from scripture, what we can see from the culture, what we can see from others around, like they didn't exist. So it wasn't like they could send him over to this spot and go, you know, find another, another godly woman who loves the Lord. So, um, because we, we just don't see that anywhere else. So, so since we can't make that point really from this passage, I thought we would just go to another passage. Um, so we're going to jump over to the New Testament and, uh, in second Corinthians, uh, chapter six, uh, this is this is a verse um, that comes up on this topic frequently, and uh, and yeah, we a lot of times here at Potter's we will we will hit on marriage and that kind of thing. Um, but a lot of today's sermon is especially for those of you who are maybe looking to the future and wanting that in your future. Um, so maybe that's not there yet. Uh, we have a, a good number of you in our church uh, who we love very much, uh, who you long for someone else to, to spend your life with. And I know that. And so, so we're going to let scripture kind of speak into that situation today. Yes, for those of us who, who are married, there will be, be applications for us as well. So don't think you get off the hook this morning. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so let's jump into to 2 Corinthians 6, um, starting in verse 14. It says this, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? 
What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And as God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And, uh, and so we see here where Paul is instructing uh, the Corinthians, this passage is frequently applied to the marriage covenant because, yeah, there's not really um, a bigger way in this life that you're yoked to somebody. So this is the old, uh, old symbolism of, you know, you've got two oxen that are going to work together. Um, so you put the wooden yoke over them um, and then you use them to plow the fields or whatever, right? Um, and that would not work very well if the two oxen didn't work together, right? Like if one of them just wanted to lay down, then the other one's not going to be able to accomplish much, right? Or if one wants to go that way all the time and the other one's wanting to go that way all the time, that's not going to work very well. And so he's using this as an analogy for us as Christians that in our lives, in our, in, in we apply it to, to marriage, but it's actually implications beyond that. He's not just saying it in that context. But he's saying, hey, in the most important relationships in your life, in the most binding agreements in your life, you need to be with somebody that's going to be working in the same way and going in the same direction that you're going. So don't yoke yourself with somebody that's going to be kind of trying to constantly pull in a different direction. Someone who's, who's going to con- constantly like, no, I don't want to go over here. or I don't want to do that. I want to go over here, right? Um, and so this has been by Christians has been applied throughout the years a lot, especially to the issue of marriage, because who you marry matters. And that is our point from the passage today. So we, you know, we're staying on on topic. Um, But yes, who you marry matters. And with that, it matters if you marry someone who has the same love for God that you have. And so if you're here and you are a Christian, you're somebody who wants to follow Jesus, you want to serve him with your life, and you also desire to be married and to have somebody to spend your life with, those things are not in contradiction to each other, okay? But if that is, if you're in the place of of choosing that future right now, like you're not already in the middle of it, but you're in the place of choosing that future, I highly encourage you make this number one priority on your list, does this person have the same love for God that I have? Do they have the same values and direction that I have in my life? That I want to bring glory to God with my life? Because that should be number one on your list of what you're looking for. That should be the number one deal breaker for you. Um, this uh, Two weeks ago when I was over at uh, the convention and stuff, uh, I heard these guys speak, uh, Ron and Jody Zappia, um, and they have a big marriage ministry um, and speak at conferences and all this kind of stuff, and they wrote this book. Uh, For any of you that are married, I highly recommend this book, uh, The Marriage Knot is what it's called. Uh, It is very practical, but also very biblical. So they're taking Bible and they're applying it to the mess that we make of marriages, okay? Um, And so I highly recommend it to to all of you married people. Uh, But they brought up one illustration that's been around for a long time, but I hadn't thought of it. I was like, oh yeah. Um, So I wanna share that with you uh, today. And this uh, applies to us as we're thinking from the single perspective of looking to, to be in the married perspective as well. Um, but it's called the marriage triangle. 
And so in the marriage triangle, uh, the idea is this. I'm over here, my spouse is over here, and God is up here, right? And so the goal would be that as, as I grow closer to God, my spouse would also be growing closer to God. And then what happens? We are closer together as we go up the triangle, right? So you can, yeah, you can show that next slide there. Um, so as, as you go up the triangle, you're getting closer to each other by growing closer to God, right? And so this is a good just visual representation for us of like, yeah, that's what I want in my life. I want to get closer to God. I also, if I'm going to be married, I want to be close to my spouse as well, right? And so, uh, so if they're growing closer to God, I'm growing closer to God, then we're going to grow closer together. And then we have this nice place that we're at, right? That, that's kind of the goal. But here's the problem. Uh, many times we will kind of replace God in this equation in our lives. I don't know about you. Do you guys ever struggle with that? That maybe, maybe he's not always number one priority. Maybe you kind of lose focus sometimes. Maybe you kind of start drifting towards something else. Anybody else been there at all? Um, maybe anybody. Okay. Um, because see, when that happens, this is affects our, our marriages as well, because then, yeah, I'm like that oxen that's wanting to go over there and maybe she's still going for God, but I'm on a tangent over here, or maybe she's filled in the blank for, for herself over here with something else. And then we end up heading in different directions because we've taken our focus off of God. So for those of us that are, are here and married today, I want to ask you, how's your marriage doing? How's your life doing? What's your focus on? Right? And so not to, you know, dig into your mess, but we'll, we'll dig into your mess if we need to. And so this is just a good check for us. In our relationship, are we coming closer together by growing closer to the Lord? Because that's, that's our desire. That's what, what we want to see happen. And for, um, for our non-married brothers and sisters, we encourage you, like, um, yes, this is important. We encourage you, strive for this. At, at the starting point, like right now, you kind of just have that one way. It's like you moving closer to God. That's, that's the path that you're on. Um, and it's going to be easy if you're on that path to then you, when you get married for, for that thing to be the thing that fills in the blank that pulls you away. And so what you really need is for that other person who's there beside you to say, yes, together, this is the direction we're going. Together, this is how we're wanting to use our lives. This is how we're wanting to serve the Lord together. But I also want to be clear on something else from Scripture on this topic. Um, what I've said so far, I've couched all in the terms of if this is your heart's desire and I'm afraid that in, especially in North American Christianity, we can make it out um, to be that like uh, marriage has to be the end all for every person, especially every Christian. Like you have to be married, right? Or like this is, this is where you, you, you should go. We, we wouldn't say it that bluntly, but under text and undertone of like culture in Christian culture is it's kind of like maybe there which is actually very contrary to scripture. Because um, Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians, so before this letter that he wrote to him, he wrote another letter to him. Um, and he, he told him this in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, verses 6 through 9. 
says, now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am. How was Paul? He was single. But each has his own gift from God and one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And so Paul is saying, hey, here's, here's kind of how it works. You see my life? You see how I spent three years in this city planning the gospel and building a church, and then I'm done with what God wants me to do there, and then I just go to the next city and I spend my life there planning the gospel, pouring into people, making disciples, building the church, and then I leave that place and go on there. You know why that's so easy for me to do? I just got a one-way direction with God. It's just me on an arrow with him. There's not a triangle. It's just a single path. And because I'm blessed in that way and I'm able to not succumb to all of the temptations of this flesh and the life, like he was especially gifted in that way. He said, because, of, because I'm gifted in that way, I can give my whole life 100% to Jesus. And I can, I can identify with this personally from, from my life, from my story. Um, some, of, some of my friends from Alabama are here, so they can vouch for this. But uh, uh, until I was 30, I was single. And I was a youth pastor in a church. Um, Adam was in my youth group. He's here. Uh, but at that time in my life, I mean, I could literally spend basically every waking hour doing ministry. Like at all hours of the day, I could say, hey, yeah, teens, you want to come over and hang out in my house? You can, right? Um, basically, every night of the week, I could find some uh, extracurricular activity where teenagers were doing stuff where I could go hang out and encourage them and support them. I could stay up at the church. We had a gym at our church, and I would stay up there till sometimes 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night playing basketball with kids um, just to build relationships with them, to point them to Jesus, so like for, for that period of my life, for that time in my life, yeah, that was, that was my focus. That was all I had on the radar and I could do that because how would that work if I had a wife and I'm like, oh yeah, babe, by the way, um, 10, kids, 10 kids are showing up for dinner tonight, right? Like, oh, oh, it's in 30 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Just throw some more on or something, right? Like that wouldn't work very well, right? <laughs> You know, you, you might get away for that for like a week, um, but uh, she's going to be done with that, right? I'm blessed with a very godly wife who still puts up with a lot, but, um, but there's limits, right? We all know that. Um, and, and I could take off and take teens on mission trips or wherever. We could, I could be gone for, for weeks at a time. My summer, I could do one trip, another trip, another trip, another trip. No problem at all, right? Because I had that freedom. I didn't have kids at home that needed me. I didn't have any other obligations. I had that freedom to just serve Lord, the Lord in a one-way path. I will say, I also know what he's talking about of sometimes it's better for you to get married if you know what it is to burn. And I said, yes, God, that is good. I long for marriage. I want that in my life. I want that. And God blessed me with a very lovely wife who we get to serve him together now. Um, you guys see that. I mean, uh, we get to, to partner together in this, but it is still different. 
there's still other things that occupy my time and my energies that when I was a single man didn't necessarily do that, right? Um, and so I encourage you that maybe if you are one of us, one among us who is single, God, maybe instead of seeing this as a burden or uh, feeling sorry for yourself, like I'm not, I'm not saying you guys doing that. I'm just saying from my experience, okay, I'm speaking from myself, not from you, because I see you guys handle it very well. But if, if that's where you find yourself, maybe see it as an opportunity, this is where God has me in my life, and this is, this is a freedom that I've been given in him to be able to serve him, to work for him, to do things for him, to build the kingdom. We've got two great examples of this in our church right now. Uh, two of our young single ladies who are like, I can take off for six weeks, go to another country, serve God. And they're doing that. And that's awesome. But also we need to be reminded and we need to remember, hey, this is our responsibility as a church to be praying for them and coming alongside them, right? Because this isn't easy what they're doing. It's not easy to just go plop yourself in another country and pour into people and pour into people and pour into people. And so let's be remembering them and praying uh, for them constantly because they need it, so... Okay, so that was a little soapbox. We'll get off of that one and uh, we'll move on. Uh, But we do want to see us growing closer together as we grow closer to the Lord. Um, Now, singles, I don't, my little advice for you here, I don't think you have to be like Jacob here and leave your family and go to another place for 20 years um, in order to find who God has for you. Um, it, that might be the way he leads you. I don't know. Um, but I, I don't think we have to, to go completely that route, but we can see this, that marriage works best with a husband and a wife who are growing closer to each other as they grow closer to God. Husband and wife growing closer to each other as they grow closer to God. I think I messed up on my typing on that one. So should be growing closer to each other as they grow closer to God, not as they grow closer to each other. So that's a a little little bit of a typo this morning. Um, But yes, so growing closer to each other as they're growing closer to God. This This is what we want to see happen. Now, let me shift gears back to some of our married people in the room because I know we have a good many of you in this church as well who we love and we care about who probably at this point you're saying, yeah, Wayne, that all sounds really good, uh, but my triangle kind of looks more like a blown over teepee. <laughs> and here's what I mean by that. Uh, there's your relationship with God and there's your relationship with your spouse, but there's not a relationship between your spouse and God. And this has been a burden on you. This has been a thing that, that some of you for years, you have lived, you have walked. And you say, well, well what, what should I do? Like, what, what do I do in this circumstance? Should, should, I, should I leave them to, to try to find, find a Christian that I can be growing closer to God and closer to them at the same time? And we can have that? Like, I want that in my life. And to that, uh, Paul speaks once again. He, he's really good at answering our questions before we even ask them. But in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, it says, continuing on, it says this, starting in verse 10. To the married, I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. 
The wife should not separate from her, her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. To the rest, I say, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her equally for wife with a husband. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved for God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? So what he's saying here is, hey, Christian, you're not the one that bails on this thing. As the Christ follower, you stick with it. Even if it's tough, even if it's hard, you stick with it and you stick by them because you know what could just happen. Because of you, because of your testimony, because of you sharing the gospel with them, because of you pointing to the truth, that line between them and God might just happen. It might just happen because of your testimony. I'll tell you, this is something that I've seen happen in this church. One thing that saddens me greatly is that that many of you now, our church has grown so much, many of you don't have the honor and privilege of knowing Janine Quinn. Um, Janine is an incredible godly lady. And those of you who know her, just when I said her name, all of you smiled. Like it was just like across the room, I was like, yep, they know her. Okay, yep, the one's not smiling, they don't know her. Um, (laughs) But everybody that knows Janine just loves Janine because she's just a lovely godly lady. Um, Due to life circumstances, she isn't able to come to church um, as much anymore. She lives a little bit further away from here, also is really struggling with some health stuff. And so I know she would really appreciate your prayers um, for her with her health stuff. And if you do know her, drop a line to her, say hi. Um, She's usually on our online. So hi, Janine, if you're joining us online. Um, But uh, Janine, this was her story for most of her life where she longed for her husband Kelly to know Jesus. Kelly was a good man. He was a kind man. He was a very outgoing man. Like to be around Kelly, like you had a good time, right? Like he, he captained one of the boats for the dinner cruises. And when you were on his dinner cruise boat here in Kelowna, like it was a party, right? Like in the, in the good way, like not just the crazy parties, but like just to hang out with Kelly was a fun time. He was just a great guy in that way. He was also a giving guy. He loved to do, he loved to serve. Um, in fact, the room we're sitting on, sitting in, if you look at, at the ceiling in this room, that ceiling was painted by Kelly Quinn. Now you think about what it takes to paint a ceiling like that. That's no easy task, but he was a faithful, hardworking man, but yet he didn't know Jesus. And Janine had told me, for years, she's like, my desire is just to have him beside me in church. I want him to, I want him to have the same hope that I have. And I had countless conversations with Kelly and he was a very spiritual man, but he wasn't there as far as Jesus. He didn't have that component in his life. 
Well, fast forward a little bit, and Kelly gets diagnosed with cancer. And that just makes Janine pray even more. She's just praying and praying and praying even more and sharing and serving and walking. And thankfully, by God's grace, shortly before Kelly passed away, he placed his faith in Jesus. Janine kind of one last time was just like, Kelly, you need this. And he said, yep, I do. I need Jesus. And I want to encourage you, if you're here and you're the Kelly in that story, you're the one that's kind of been holding out, I want to encourage you, don't wait till that point. You're missing out on so much by waiting to that point. But also, if you're here and you're the Janine in that story, I want to encourage you, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Jesus can still work that magic. He can still draw your spouse to himself. That can still happen. They can have the same hope that you have. So continue to pray, continue to point them to Jesus, and continue to be faithful. And that's what I, I encourage you with if that's your triangle, is the blown over TP triangle. And who knows, but if you've got kids in the mix, that maybe by you doing that and you being faithful, they too might come to know Jesus. And so we see that it might be through you that your spouse and your kids come to know Jesus. Well, let's jump back to Genesis now. Genesis 28. And Esau pops back in the picture. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paden Aram to take a wife from there. And that as he blessed him, he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. So Esau's kind of sitting here looking around. He's like, wait, I took wives from them. Okay, mom and dad don't like that. So what should I do? And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and, gave, and gone to Paden Aram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac, his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. So Esau's here is like, oh, well, I guess mom and dad don't like my first two wives. So I'll just go get another one. That'll make it all better. Um, and so he's like, well, it has to be in the family tree. Well, you know, granddad had that other illegitimate son, Ishmael. So yeah, I'll go get one of his, his girls. That, that'll make mom and dad happy. Right. And my point from this is we should never marry someone just to try to make someone else happy. All right. Don't do that. That should not be even in the equation. So yes, who you marry matters. Make sure that person has that, that relationship with Jesus that you have if you're a Christian. But equally, just because mom or dad says marry this person, that might not even be the best reason to do it. Or you might even, they might not even say it, and they, you might just think, oh, I think mom and dad would be happy if I did this. That, that's, that's not a good reason. That's, and that's kind of, kind of a recipe for things to not go well. Okay, um, but yeah, we should never marry someone uh, just on that point. And I just want to offer a word of encouragement in all of this. And like I said, for those of you who are married, maybe you're struggling with your marriage right now. 
or your marriage is going really well right now, I encourage you to grab this book. I haven't finished it yet, so if there's heresy in the last half, sorry. Um, but the first part's really good. Uh, but I want to encourage you with this. I'm yet to meet anyone or any couple who's gotten all of this right, right? We're, we're all messed up individually. And so when you put two of us together, that puts two messed up people together. And so there's going to be conflict. There's going to be things that go wrong. There's going to be things that, that maybe aren't the way that they should be. And I encourage you in that to go to Jesus and let him fix what's broken because that's what he does. We are broken people. And because Jesus came and died on a cross, paying the punishment for sin and rose again three days later, he is able to fix what's broken. Whether that's just us in our personal lives or whether that is in our marriages or in our future marriages that aren't even happening yet. Because that's another thing for those of us who are single, things that are the brokenness in your life right now doesn't go away when you get married. It's just brokenness that you multiply by putting another broken person against it to magnify each other. And so we need to deal with that brokenness. And the only way to do that is through Jesus. He is the answer. And so I invite you today that if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior to come to him and say, yes, Jesus, please forgive me. Please make me right. I have sinned. I have messed up. I am broken but I need you and I need you to make me whole. And that's something that he can do and he is happy to do. And that's actually something we get to celebrate today here in just a bit is part of that is when we first come to faith in Jesus, our, our way of letting everybody know that, the way of letting everybody know, yeah, I, I was broken, but now he has made me whole. Now he has cleansed me. Now he has restored me as we do that through the act of baptism, of letting other people know that. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you uh, that you do fix what is broken. And Lord, as we, we've talked about it today in relationship to marriage and that kind of next, next to the decision to follow you, kind of the most important decision in our lives. And God, I just pray for those in our congregation, in our body, who it is their desire to be married. It is their desire to have that person that they're growing closer to you with. And so Lord, I pray that you bless in that way and you provide in that way and that you lead them to the person that, that you would have for them in their life. And God, a way that only you can. And God, I thank you that beyond just the topic of marriage, just in the topic of humanity, you sent your son to die for us so that he could fix what's broken. We thank you for that. We thank you, Jesus, for coming and doing that. I pray all this in his holy name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series.
We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day. As you feel yourself.